hello, taking a ride. Well, welcome. Welcome to Refresh. Um, my name's Jason, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, I work over here in North Oaks throughout the week, and, uh, and I'm one of, the, um, one of the leaders here at Refresh, one of the spiritual advisors, I guess, here at, uh, at Refresh. And we're in a um, part two of a little series that we're doing at the moment about mind matters. And it's really all about life, and it's really about all about how, how we live and different aspects of how God can influence our lives and, and make our lives perhaps a little bit better. And today we're talking about a topic that um, is, is one that uh, I guess is a little, bit, a little bit interesting. It's one that there are heaps of people that are actually researching and, and searching for and, and, and looking through. We're actually talking about spiritualism and spirituality in general and how that impacts our lives. And I don't know if you've, uh, if you've ever noticed this, but our brains are wired to fill in the gaps. And I've just realized that I left the clicker, so you guys are going to have to do the, uh, the slides. Sorry, guys. Our, our, um, our, sli our brains are wired to fill in the gaps. There's something in all of us that's curious, that doesn't like not knowing, something in all of us that seeks out answers. Um, and we see this in many aspects of our lives. I'm... Uh, I'm reminded of, uh, of one of those aspects. Actually, I do have the clicker. Sorry, my bad. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, you've got to keep our uh, sound team on their toes. Just make sure that you know, they know what's going on. I think we're all good now. <laughs> um, but we see this. We, we, you know, our brains are wired to fill in the gaps, and we see this in many aspects of our lives. Uh, let me give you a few examples. Uh, not long ago, it was winter, it was cold. We were uh, out the front of our place. We had a little fire pit going, and we had this great little fire. And, um, and we've got a 10-year-old son, Cooper, and he just loves fires. I mean, let's be frank. Well, wh what boys don't love fires, all right? I mean, no. Nah. Wh what guys don't like fires, right? I can sit there for hours watching this fire. And Cooper was watching this fire, and some coals fell out on the ground. And he just, he was mesmerized, and he's watching them, and they're changing colors. You know how they do that? And... And he's poking them with sticks and he's poking them together. And everyone else went inside and I was the last one to go in. And I'm watching him. And I say to him, whatever you do, don't touch the coals. Even if they look like they're not hot anymore, don't touch the coals. And I had barely stepped into the house when I heard a muffled cry of pain and I looked around and he must have seen it on my face because I was just like, you're kidding. He's standing there holding his finger. And I didn't even have to say anything. And he says to me, but dad, it just, it, it looked so amazing. And, it look, and I just thought, I, I wonder what it touches, what it, I wonder what it feels like. Our, our brains are wired. We like to know. We like to get answers. We like to fill in the gaps. Melissa came home from work one day teaching textile sewing. And she told me a, a story that had happened during the day um, with her. And this student came up to her, and he's holding his finger. And, and this guy comes up and he says, Miss, 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 I need to go to the first aid room. And I mean, really, there's a bit of skepticism there. Like what, you know, grade eight, nine boy doesn't want to get out of textiles, right? And she goes, no, no, go sit down. Keep doing your work. You'll be right. You'll be right. And he says, uh, no, Miss, like, I need to go to the first aid room. He says, mate, we've got Band-Aids. Go put a Band-Aid on. Go sit down. Keep doing your work. 
And he said, no, miss, <laughs> I need to go to the first aid room. And he opened his hand, revealing his finger, and there's blood spurting everywhere. No, it wasn't quite that bad. But there was a pool of blood in his hand. And Melissa just looked at him and said, mate, you need to go to the first aid room. <laughs> and she said, what happened? And he said, well, I wanted to see which was stronger, the needle or my fingernail. I'm just going to let that image sink in for a moment. So I put my finger under the needle and I planted my foot. Hmm. Well, turns out the needle won. Luckily, it was a new needle and it went straight through his finger into the bobbin underneath and back out of his finger. Luckily, it was a new needle and it didn't hit the bone and break off in the middle of his finger. He was lucky that he got away with just a handful of blood and a really bad infection about four days later. But he got over that eventually. But our brains are wired to fill in the gaps. And you see it in other areas of life too. Let's have a look here. Who's ever seen this on the internet? Who can read that? Have you seen this before? Yeah, exactly. All we're doing is keeping the first and last letter the same and jumbling up the letters in between. Who can read that? According to yeah, a researcher at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters are in, uh, are in, I can't read it, what letters in a word are, the only important thing is that the first and last letters in the right place, the rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without a problem. Our brains are wired to fill in the gaps. We're wired to work stuff out. We're wired to look for answers. What about this one? That's not even all letters. Similarly, your mind is reading this automatically without even thinking about it. Our minds are wired to fill in the gaps. And it's no different with the biggest questions of our lives. The soul-searching questions about life. So how do you fill in the blanks when it comes to your spirituality? How do you fill in the blanks when it comes to your spirituality? What I find incredibly interesting about our culture in Australia these days is that while so many people are walking away from church, they're not walking away from spirituality. In fact, as God continues to disappear from our culture, spirituality continues to reappear in all these different places. And I can understand that, you know, maybe why this is happening a little bit. Have, maybe you've heard the phrase, or maybe you've even said the phrase, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Have you heard that before? And I can, I can appreciate why some people would say such a comment, because so many times church is seen as irrelevant, hypocritical, outdated. It's all about what we can't do, reading an old book, giving your money, volunteering your time. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And the latest research out of Australia shows that 7% of people are committed to attending church. 7%. That's such a small minority. There are so many weird clusters of groups that have more than 7% of the Australia's population. For example, 
11% of Australians are vegetarians. Like we're talking crazy stuff, 7% attending church. But people are still searching for spirituality. And I saw an article um, that was released not too long ago in, uh, on the SBS News, Seeking Spirituality as Australia Becomes Less Religious. This is something that's been in the news cycles a little bit just over the last few months, but it's not new news. I went back as well. I found this article, article too, from Psychology Today, Desperately Seeking Spirituality, from, 2000 and, uh, from 1994 originally. This is something that's been going on for quite some time. And even if you wouldn't use the term spiritual to describe yourself, perhaps you've been involved in some spiritual practices. Meditation, deep breathing, yoga, visualization, journaling, prayer. And I'm not against any of these practices because I believe they can be incredibly powerful and really helpful to people. In fact, I use some of these practices in my own spiritual development with God. But what are you trying to achieve in your search for spirituality? What's your spirituality really built on? If we're really honest with each other for a moment, I'd say that almost all non-religious modern spirituality is based on one of two things. More me or spiritualism. More me or spiritualism. Let's have a look at both of those for just, uh, just a moment. Let's start with the more me. A lot of current spirituality is self-generated, self-focused, and self-directed. If you've read the material, that's what you'll find. And quite rightly, some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, what's wrong with that, Jason? What's so bad about discovering more me? What's the issue with me generating my own understanding of spirituality? What's the problem with my spiritual journey focusing all around me? Well, the problem with self-discovery is that all you discover is you. Now, for some of you, you might be thinking that's not going to be so much of a problem because some of us in the room are probably a little bit more interesting than others. That's fine. But for some of us, I see a problem. You see, I didn't create myself. I had absolutely no part to play in my creation. And I prefer not to think about it at all, to be honest. I don't remember the most formative first few years of my life. I struggle to really know why I am like I am. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know my destiny or where I'm going. And I don't really know why the things that have had such a big impact on my life happened to me. I don't really know any of these things, and certainly not by looking into myself. And as much as I can focus my energy on achieving my goals and become the best version of myself that I can, at some point I have to acknowledge that when it comes to the biggest things about my life, why would I think that all of my answers to life's questions can be found in me? And we can take it a step further. All of my problems in life have a common denominator. Me. If I'm the common denominator of all my problems in life, how am I supposed to go inside myself to figure out how to solve my problems? The more me approach, when you really start to break it down and think about it, 
may not be such a great foundation for my spiritual journey. So let's have a look at the second one. Um, the second side to modern spirituality is spiritualism. Let's have a quick look at that one. The concept of good and evil or, or yin and yang are certainly common in modern spirituality. And the Bible is a collection of writings by spiritual advisors who were inspired by God and it offers some really interesting insights into this battle between good and evil. The Bible contains a bunch of stories about Jesus when he lived on earth. And they tell us that he healed the sick. Um, he went through whole towns healing people. He went through whole geographic regions healing everyone in the region. And he went around driving out countless demons, this battle between good and evil. And I, I almost like to think of Jesus as he's traveling around, a little bit like Neo from the Matrix, just plowing through powers of evil and real spiritual warfare and just casting out people and, you know, just in there, in the thick of the fray. Let me give you one of those, uh, one of those stories from, from the Gospel of Luke. It says, A man possessed by a demon cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Jesus is walking through and this guy starts yelling. This demon-possessed guy just starts pointing at him and yelling and accusing. What are you doing here? Get away! But Jesus, it says, reprimanded him. Be quiet. Get out of that man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the whole crowd watched. Then it came out of him. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him and they flee at his command. This battle between good and evil. The Matrix trilogy, I just mentioned Neo from The Matrix. The Matrix trilogy was a really interesting set of movies because there really is this unseen battle going on in our world and in our lives that the movie alluded to. Who's seen the movie? I don't know, like there's actually a massive group of people that haven't and I get that because most of you probably weren't even old enough when it came out back in the 90s. But you may remember there was a scene in there um, involving a red pill and a blue pill. Do you remember that? Let's just have a really quick look at that one. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. truth about this unseen battle that's going on so let me ask you this how did the real battle between good and evil start a few weeks ago um, we had a look at the topic of hell and death and we looked at how the devil came into being but let's just really quickly recap that just in case anyone wasn't here shall we um, there are a couple of really key verses in the bible that explains um, what happened here the first one's in, Eze in ezekiel and it says this talking about satan lucifer you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You were blameless in all you did from the day that you were created until the day evil was found in you. 
Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor and power. And then there's another verse that starts to give us a little bit more insight. Lucifer wanted to make himself greater than the God who actually made him. It says in Isaiah, How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, sun of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's. I will climb to the highest heavens. I will be like the Most High. Instead, you have been brought down. And so... Because of this, this, this conflict started, this, this war started. In Revelation it says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. The great dragon, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to earth with his angels. Now you think about this. That word war, war in heaven, that original word war, actually refers more like to a court case where there's a dispute or a debate and we've got Satan on one side throwing these accusations against God and, and we've got the defense on the other side and Satan must have been so convincing. One third, one third of all the angelic host followed him. And in that time, imagine almost a court case in heaven and, and God and, and the holy angels are, are, are conversing with the others and the others are back and there's this debate raging and that's what it was like there was a war for their minds there was a battle for their minds that's where this whole thing started and then as he was as satan was thrown out of heaven it, it came down to earth so this is the battle that's been going on between god and say, uh, satan between good and evil and it's a battle for our minds and it's a battle for our loyalty will you support satan who accuses God of holding us back because he wants to um, harshly rule over us? That's Satan's accusation. Or will you side with God, who showed his great love for us by coming down and dying in our place on a cross to demonstrate he would do anything to be reconciled and reunited with us? So how does Satan try to influence us through spiritualism? How does that work? What's going on in that space? What does Satan do? Well, in the Bible, God gives us a warning against all the different aspects of spiritualism that were around then. Have you ever read that list? Have any of you seen that list of spiritualism in the Bible? It's in Deuteronomy, and this is what it says. God says, do not practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or casting spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Now, we read that verse in the Bible and it, al it almost seems a little bit foreign. But all these things have woven themselves into our everyday life in modern culture. They're all around us in the things we watch and the things that we play and the things that we read. These things have become every day in our modern culture here in Australia through horoscopes, through the TV shows, through psychics, through spiritual advisors, through seances, and also through the belief that you can gain guidance from the dead. And sometimes we question whether we should really be watching some of the stuff that's out there. We convince ourselves that it doesn't really affect us, but sometimes there are things that simply can't be unseen. Um, just this last month, 
at North Pine here, um, the, the junior school have been having their speech competitions. And uh, our oldest daughter, Tiana, was doing a speech competition, uh, as a part of her uh, topic for the speech competition, she was actually speaking on, they had to speak on a, um, an invention, a, a recent invention, and so she spoke on the invention of poo transplants. And as a part of the speech, she wanted to have some kind of, um, uh, what's the word, some kind of uh, visual, some kind of prop. And so Melissa jumped online and she ordered the biggest syringe that she could find. And it came in the mail and we gave it to Tiana and she was looking at it and playing with it and practicing with it and she was having a great old time. And this thing was big, man. Let me see, I think I've got a picture. This was a big syringe, 250 mils. It holds a whole cup of water. And she thought that it was a vet's syringe, you know, for horses or elephants, perhaps, until she saw the box, which looked a bit like this. And she saw it and she went, ah, there's something I'll never unsee. Absolutely right. And I should have put a white slide after it so I didn't have to poop it up. There we go. I did, luckily. Sometimes there are some things that just can't be unseen. And sometimes if you give the devil just that smallest foothold in your life, he's able to squirm his way into your mind more and more. That's just how he works. And when we look at what happens when we die, we learn that the dead know nothing. We looked at this a couple of months ago in, in one of our talks. And it's like they're asleep, waiting to be woken up by Jesus at his second coming. And we discussed how this idea of the eternal soul is one of Satan's greatest deceptions. Let me read you uh, this really great quote from a spiritual book that is about that very topic, this battle between good and evil. This is what the author says. The idea of man's consciousness and death, especially the belief that spirits of the dead return to guide the living, is a foundation of modern spiritualism. If the dead are allowed into heaven with God and the holy angels and given access to knowledge far beyond what they had as humans, why shouldn't they come back to earth to enlighten and guide the living? If spirits of the dead are hovering about their friends on earth, why shouldn't they permitted, uh, be permitted to communicate with them, to warn them against evil, or to, or to comfort them in their sorrow? How can those who believe in consciousness and death reject what comes to them as godly information communicated by spirits? But this is a channel regarded as sacred to many, through which Satan works to win people's minds and hearts. The fallen angels who do his bidding appear as messengers from the spirit world. While claiming to bring the living into communication with the dead, Satan exercises his bewitching influence over their minds. Wow. Wow. Satan is constantly trying to influence influence us in this battle between him and God, between good and evil. So, what are the ways that we can close the door to Satan and his influence over our lives? In, in one part of the Bible, in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing a letter to the people that live in Corinth, and he says, we must capture every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We must capture every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Satan is relentlessly continuing, uh, continuously targeting our minds. It is our primary battlefield, our minds. He bombards our minds with images and thoughts, and he understands that if he can control the mind, he can control the whole body. 
In order to guard our minds, we need to recognize ungodly thoughts and ideas. And the way that we can do that is by testing them against some kind of standing, by testing them against God's word. The, um, the Israelite king, King David, said something in the Psalms. He said this, The word of the Lord is trustworthy in making wise those who are simple. The word of God, the Bible, is trustworthy in making wise those who don't have understanding, who are looking for answers, who are looking for understanding. And that Hebrew word that he uses, simple, actually has a meaning of open-minded. It has a meaning of open-minded. And the Jews described it as someone whose mind was like an open door. Everything goes in and everything goes out. A simple person with an open mind, like a door. That type of person is known as being gullible. Someone who will believe anything. Their mind is open to thoughts and ideas that really should have been rejected, that really should have been shut out by that one door. However, King David, who was a mighty spiritual leader in his day, says that by filling our mind with God's words in the Bible, we can actually become wise to discern what's beneficial to our spiritual growth versus what's not of God. By knowing his word, by reading his word. And it, we can go on from there because a person who doesn't know the word of God will always have difficulty testing what is good and what is not good and have difficulty protecting themselves. Their mind will be continually bombarded by ungodly thoughts, ideas and desires designed to control and constrict and to destroy them. And they'll lack the power and discernment to close a door on those things that the devil uses to attack them. It's only by God's word that we can have that discernment and that wisdom. If we're going to protect our minds, we need to recognize what's not godly. In what we watch, in what we listen to, or in anything, the simple person accepts the things that pollutes their spirituality and their soul, while the person who recognizes what would diminish their life and their spirituality and diminish their life, their soul, their, their dishonor God. So there's at least one way that we can start to make discernment, that we can start to, to filter the influence that the devil can have in our lives. But what does God-led spirituality actually look like? What's the alternative? Well, God says a few things about that. First of all, he says, he says that he has plans for you. He's got plans for you. He says he's got plans for your good, to give you a great future, and to give you hope. That doesn't sound so bad. God says he wants to fill our lives with a whole bunch of things. He calls them fruits, fruits of his spirit. He says, I want to fill you with love. I want to fill you with joy. Who could do with a bit more joy in their life? I know I could. I think all of us could. I want to fill you with peace. Wow, that sounds good. I don't think there's a parent in the room who wouldn't want a little bit more peace, right? I want to fill you with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with faithfulness, with gentleness, with self-control. They're my plans for you. That's what having a spirituality built on a foundation of God is like. So how do we grow our spirituality with God as our strong foundation? Well, St. Paul, who was a great spiritual teacher, said this. 
He said, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Growing our spirituality on God's foundation means that God helps us transform ourselves and change our, per our perspective on the world. Paul also said, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we aren't fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's what this battle looks like. He says, God gives us special spiritual armor and weapons for the spiritual battle. So what does he give us? We build our spirituality on God. What does he give us? Well, this is what he gives us. First of all, he gives us truth. That's a weapon we can use against the devil. He gives us righteousness. He says that he gives us peace based on the promises that he has given us. He says that he gives us faith. He says that he gives us assurance of salvation and a future. He says that he gives us his word that we can use as a measuring stick against things, to, as we spoke before. And he says that he gave us prayer and open communication to talk with him. These are the weapons that he's given us. And growing our spirituality on God's foundation means that God gives us everything we need to be victorious in the battle. But the most important thing in building your spirituality on God as opposed to anything else is that growing our spiritual spirituality on God, He wants us to spend time with Him. He wants to come closer to us. He wants to teach us. He wants to empower us. He wants to transform us. One of the founding fathers of modern Christianity and, and spirituality, who lived about 6,000 years ago, made a habit of doing just this. And there's this really short passage in the Bible, in the first book in Genesis, and it just says this, Isaac went out to meditate in the fields in the evening. Isaac went out to meditate in the fields in the evening. If people who spend so many hours in idle social media, in reading trash, in watching TV, and other useless pastimes could learn more of God's wisdom, they would discover amazing truth and power just from meditating on God and spending time with God. Not only does God make that claim, but I can also tell you that my spiritual experience in life is that God is the best source, the best source of joy when life's hard, of love when you feel lonely, of comfort when you're sad, of support when you're afraid, of strength when you feel weary, of, of hope when you don't know whether you're going to make it through, of protection when people fight against you, of strength when you feel weary, and of peace when you feel anxious. God is the best source. 
And so if he's the best source of all those things, then the closer we are to Jesus, the more of those qualities just brush off onto us. The more time we spend with him, the more of those qualities just brush off onto us. But you know what the crazy thing is? The absolutely bizarre thing is that we get home after a long, busy day and we flop onto the couch just wanting to disconnect, just wanting to veg out for a little bit. And it's so easy just to turn on the telly or to play a game on your phone or to do something like that, watch an episode. But why do we do it? How does it help us? How do we feel when we come out of it? Do we feel recharged and invigorated and ready to go again? The reality is that the best thing we can do to recharge our lives and refresh our spirits is just to immerse ourselves in Jesus, in time with him. And have a meaningful spiritual relationship with him. Now... If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, that's fine. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't love God. I don't even know if he's real. I don't have a relationship with him and that's fine. That's okay. If you're on a spiritual journey, then you need to discover for yourself the foundations that you're building your spirituality on. You need to own that. And if you discover that what you're building your spiritual journey on isn't a solid foundation, then what are you going to shift your foundation to? If you're not sure what to shift your foundation for spirituality to, come and talk to us at the Connect Desk. Just over here after the program, there'll be some people at the desk right there. At Refresh, we're here to help people find a strong spiritual foundation. That's what we're here for. That's our primary mission. And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, then I encourage you to do something. I encourage you today to take a little bit of time out, just five, ten minutes if that's all you can afford. I challenge you to take that time out and do a spiritual audit on yourself. Do a spiritual audit. Have you opened the door of your mind to ungodly influences? I'm not going to stand here and tell you what you should or shouldn't fill your mind with. But I can assure you that what you put in your mind will have a significant impact on how you feel, how you respond to life, and your general situation in life, your quality of life. And that's something between you and God. You go home, think about that, work it out. Are you using the spiritual armor and the weapons that God has given you to defend against the devil? And most importantly, are you spending more than enough time with our source of spiritual strength, Jesus Christ, and investing into a a real, owned, meaningful relationship with Jesus? Again, maybe you're a believer, but maybe you just want to talk to someone about your spiritual foundations over here at the desk. Let's have a chat. So many people in Australia and the world are trying to fill in the blanks. Our minds are wired that way. They're looking for spirituality, but they're not sure where to find it. They're not sure what foundation to build their spirituality on. And there is such an amazing wealth of answers that we've been given through Jesus and through his word. I just encourage you to try it out.
and to bring up more into your life every day. Shall we pray? Dear Jesus, thank you for all the insights you give us. Thank you for explaining to us what's going on, where we've come from, the battle that's going on, and also for explaining to us how it's all going to wind up. Thank you for the promises that you give us. Thank you for being our support, our provision. Thank you for being our peace. Thank you for being our hope. Thank you for everything that you offer to us so freely. I just pray that every person who's in here today will come to know you more, will come to love you more, will come to own their their relationship with you more and really build their spirituality on a strong foundation in you. Be with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.